Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you Make things better. Well, hi there, and I um, guess we should call this the pre-Thanksgiving Collaborative Problem Solving at Home program. I hope you have um, nice plans for Thanksgiving. Um, always a nice time of year. Well, for a lot of folks, always a nice time of year. For some folks, not such a nice time of year. But um, welcome to the program. Um, we're going to be together for the next 45 minutes talking about uh, challenging kids and how to help them and how to understand them and um, all that kind of good stuff. These are your 45 minutes, though. Um, That's why we do this every week, to um, provide you with the support and the information and the help you need to um, understand and help the challenging kid in your life, um, perhaps better than you're helping him now, or just to keep yourself refreshed on the language and the mentality of collaborative problem solving. Uh, As you know, it's a bit of a horse of a different color. And, um, well, sometimes uh, it takes uh, just being dipped into the water frequently, dipping your toe into the water frequently to remind yourself of what uh, mindset you want to have and what things you want to be saying and what things you want to be thinking and what things you want to be doing to uh, make things better around your household. So... If you are, if you have a child at home who's not responding very well to Plan B, or if you're having trouble with some aspect of doing Plan B, or if you're running into trouble getting the folks at school to use collaborative problem solving, or running into trouble getting the folks at home, the co-parent, the grandparents, the hockey coaches, helping them buy in, this program's for you. We do it 45 minutes every week. Um, This is your opportunity to call in, comment, ask questions, get the support you need, or just listen to what's going on with others who are using the collaborative problem-solving approach. If you do want to call in, uh, once again, that call-in number is uh, 347-994-2981. If you are not the calling-in type, um, don't call in. Just listen or send me an email through the Lives in the Balance website, that's www.livesinthebalance.org. Now, I'm betting a lot of the people who listen to this program have already explored the Lives in the Balance website, but if you haven't, well, by golly, um, you gotta. All kinds of resources on the Lives in the Balance website to help you understand your challenging child better 
understand your challenging child through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Lagging skills are why your challenging kid is challenging. It's Well, it's what makes him a little bit different from other kids. You knew there was something different, right? Maybe if you have more than one kid in your household, you, you, you already know he's different just compared to some of the other kids in your household. What have the not-so-challenging kids got that the challenging ones haven't got? Skills. Skills in the domains of flexibility, adaptability, frustration, tolerance, problem-solving, and a whole bunch of others that make it hard for your child to respond to demands for flexibility, adaptability, frustration, tolerance, and problem-solving the way we'd like him to. And that's why he's responding in ways we don't want him to. He's lacking the skills to respond in the ways that we do want him to. Skills most of us take for granted. Um, parents of challenging kids do not take these skills for granted. Uh, actually, but, well, you got to know that your kid is lacking skills to, so as not to take them for granted. If you don't know your kid is lacking important cognitive skills, then you'll view your kid through other lenses. Oof. Manipulative, attention-seeking, coercive, unmotivated, limit-testing. Well, those are lenses that are, well, in my opinion, those are lenses that are going to make things worse. So big step number one, if you have a challenging kid in your household, is to make sure you got the right lenses on. Make sure you know why your challenging kid is challenging. Then identify the very specific situations in which you're child's challenging behavior is occurring. I call those unsolved problems. It's unsolved problems that set in motion challenging behaviors, and unsolved problems occur when the demands being placed upon a child out, ex exceed the skills that child has to respond adaptively to those demands. Those are called unsolved problems. So in households, brushing your teeth could be an unsolved problem. Uh, uh, Amount of time a kid is spending in front of a screen could be an unsolved problem. Getting out of bed in the morning could be an unsolved problem. Getting ready for school in the morning could be an unsolved problem. Getting ready for bed at night, sharing with siblings, you know, that stuff. And the truth is, the interesting thing is those are things that are challenging in many households. It's just that in many households, the kids are not responding to adult intervention in ways that are so extreme. Challenging kids respond to adult intervention in ways that are extreme because they're lacking the skills to respond in a way that is more adaptive. Plus, adults are busy throwing fuel on the fire by trying to solve those problems they do with regular old kids by using Plan A, by imposing their will, by doing what I call unilateral problem solving, often with adult-imposed consequences attached, and as you well know if you listen to this program, I call that throwing fuel on the fire. That's what the Lives in the Balance website is for, to help. If this is brand new to you, and even if it's not, lots of folks find it useful to get a refresher. There's lots of content on that Lives in the Balance website helping you get the right lenses on, helping you figure out what unsolved problems are setting in motion your child's challenging episodes. You want to go to the paperwork section and use some of the instruments um, that have been developed to help you do that. 
And then there's streaming video showing you what to do next. What do you do next? Plan B, preferably proactively. Collaborative problem solving, not unilateral problem solving. You've done unilateral problem solving. You've seen what happens when you do unilateral problem solving in your household. If you're like most folks who have a challenging kid, unilateral problem solving makes things get ugly. And ugly is not what you had in mind for your household. I'm sure of it. I'm absolutely positive. So you want to watch the streaming video on the Lives in the Balance uh, website so that you can uh, see what Plan B looks like. And uh, then uh, you got to start doing it because those problems aren't going to solve on their own. They're just going to pile up over time if they stay unsolved. And they're just going to pile up time and get ugly if you're solving them in a way that doesn't actually solve them and that just gets your kid blowing up. You want to use Plan B. Proactively, not emergently. A lot of folks, when they start implementing collaborative problem solving, they wait until the heat of the moment when an unsolved problem, a highly predictable one, by the way, has set in motion challenging behavior yet again. That is a very tough time to be doing the ingredients of Plan B. And I know sometimes I repeat myself on this, but why not? The ingredients of Plan B, gathering information about an unsolved problem so that you can get the clearest possible sense of the kid's concern or perspective on that unsolved problem. Then putting your concern or perspective on the table about the same unsolved problem and then brainstorming solutions so as to come up with one that addresses the concerns of both parties. And by the way, it's going to be hard to address the concerns of both parties if you don't know what the concerns of both parties are. That's why you're spending, that's why you're taking your time in the empathy step and in the define the problem step. That's why you're taking your time so that, well, so that you know what problem it is that you're trying to solve. And then that third ingredient is where you're brainstorming solutions so as to come up with one that addresses the concerns of both parties and is realistic, meaning both parties can actually do what they're agreeing to do. It is hard for me to imagine doing that in the heat of the moment. I know we had some discussions during the program uh, in June of last year with um, people still feeling like emergency plan B was um, helpful to them and you know what? That's I love I love that anything that's helpful to people. But and yes, if you are empathizing, doing the empathy step, gathering information in the heat of the moment, I like that a lot better than using Plan A and throwing fuel on the fire. But the vast majority of problem solving you want to be doing occurs outside the heat of the moment and any unsolved problem you've identified what I often ask people to do is ask them to think about what unsolved problems are going to be coming up in the next week and as soon as they start naming them I know they've given me a list of many of the problems that need to be solved before they come up any problem that you know is coming by definition is predictable, and you can be solving it proactively. Yes, I'm drinking my green tea, if you're hearing swallowing, the, the green tea, that not G-R-E-E-N-E-T, but 
green tea um, that I drink during this program so as to um, get just that little hit of caffeine that I need to uh, get me through this part of the day. Black tea coming soon. That's collaborative problem solving. and The Lives in the Balance website has just a boatload of information on it to help you learn about it, implement it, make life better in your household. Life's not going to get better at home without a great deal of effort. What if you're tired? Um, well, it's those unsolved problems that are probably dragging you down. I mean, maybe you got other reasons for being tired. Lots of reasons for being tired these days. Life's hard. But life's going to be hard anyways. Let's make parts of it that we can make easier, easier by getting some problems solved so they don't set in motion challenging episodes anymore. Only unsolved problems that set in motion challenging episodes. Solved problems don't. Life with a behaviorally challenging kid is scary, tiring, anxiety-provoking, worrying on a lot of different scales. What, what's my kid going to turn out like if this keeps up? You won't have to worry about it if it doesn't keep up. What's... I don't... I fear for what my challenging kid, the impact he or she is having on my, on his siblings, my other children. You'll be worrying about that less if you can get those problems solved and create a new relationship and communicate better with your behaviorally challenging one. The list of unsolved problems is so long I can't imagine how I'll ever get through it. Well, start. And then about three to four months from now, look in the rearview mirror and see how many you've solved so far and take stock of what life is like in your household now. Is it a little better? It's a lot better. Whether it's a little better or a lot better, that's better, and better is better. The other option is to not have a rearview mirror to look in three to four months down the road because you're not doing anything differently now and still aren't doing anything differently three to four months from now, in which case I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen to make things change for the better. Life is hard and tiring. Nothing beats solving problems to make things better. Here's an emailer responding to what I'm saying. Through plan B, you regain the control that has flown out the window. The way the child is behaving, the way you're behaving, and how your family is behaving is chaotic and exhausting. This model restores your hope and sanity. Thank you, emailer. I couldn't agree more. Let's uh, turn our attention to email that I have received over the course of the week. Dr. Green, I have a concern about my 12-year-old son who was recently suspended for three days. For This, this is a good one. This is a mess. Uh, that's me adding editorial comment. 
Dr. Green, I have a concern about my 12-year-old son who was recently suspended for three days for pushing a teacher. He has an IEP for bipolar disorder. Okay. He asked the teacher if he could go to the bathroom. It was during study hall time at the end of the day, and she said no. He asked her again and said he really had to go. She said no again. He said, you cannot stop me from using the bathroom, and went to the classroom door, and she held it shut. He said, "The teacher." He said, "You cannot hold me hostage." She refused to open the door. Okay, so if you're hearing this is editorial comment, if you're hearing Plan A here, that's right. That's Plan A, and like usual, and I've already read this email, of course. Like usual, Plan A is about to make things worse. My son put his hand on the handle of the door next to the teacher's hand and tried to get the door open. He said the teacher pushed his hand away two times, and then he pushed the door as hard as he could while pushing down on the handle. He got out and went to the bathroom, wiped the tears from his eyes, put water on the scrape on his arms, on his arm, and went back to the classroom. She refused to let him back in. So now we got double-barreled uh, Plan A with a long half-life. That editorial comment, sorry. He pulled the door hard because he feared missing the bus and he needed his backpack and schoolwork. She was hanging onto the door and he pulled hard enough to get the door open and she lost her balance. She did not fall. My son was suspended for three days. I am angry at my son and the teacher. The IEP was not followed. It says that he should be allowed to go to the bathroom when he asked. When he asks, he used to just run out. It is also used as a timeout for him. I am not sure how to go about getting this taken off his school record. I do not feel it is right to keep this on when they did not follow the protocol. This was a substitute teacher, but she used to be a teacher there and is now retired, and she has worked with my son in the resource room a number of times. What can I do? I'm at my wit's end. I told you it was a mess. More editorial comment. But uh, you know what? It doesn't actually sound like an unsalvageable mess because we've already got an IEP in place. I'm not exactly sure what an IEP for bipolar disorder means. Um, but we won't get into my uh, feelings about the usefulness of the diagnosis of bipolar disorder on this program today. Don't worry, I'm going to spare you. It's in other programs if you want to listen to some of the archives. Um, what can you do? I think it's time for a meeting. And since your son has an IEP, I think you want the people who oversee his IEP at the meeting as well. But I think you want school administrators there too. And it's not an adversarial meeting. As hard as it is not to be adversarial in these situations, I don't think you want to be adversarial. You want to make sure that your son's IEP is being followed and that there are mechanisms in place for ensuring that even if he has a substitute teacher, that person is aware of his IEP as well. You know, I'm betting if we talked to the substitute teacher, she would have concerns to express about um, the situation as well. I don't know why she was holding the door shut, and I don't know why she wouldn't let your son back in, but I'm going to assume legitimate concerns on both sides of the equation. I'm usually right about that. Well, almost always. 
almost always legitimate concerns on both sides of the equation. Um, have a meeting. Since your son has an IEP, you can call that meeting anytime you want. And um, I don't think there's a need for being adversarial. I don't think, and, you know, I always uh, respond to these emails with some trepidation because, I, you know, I only have the information provided in the email and things are always more complicated. But I'm not hearing the need for any... Uh, thing legal here. I think you want to have a meeting with the key folks at the school and get their perspective on what happened and find out why the substitute teacher was perhaps out of the loop on the IEP and find out what the substitute teacher's concerns were as well so that we have information that we might be able to pass on to your son. Um, and let's solve this problem because... Um, and I, in the context of that discussion, and this is where I suppose it could become legal, but not necessarily so, I think that if this is a um, uh, collaborative effort, then I think that the folks at school will understand your concerns about the fact that your son got a suspension as a byproduct of the IEP not being followed. The problem is I don't know if they have a completely different perspective on what happened because I'm lacking perhaps some important details, but I don't I don't know that. If it's exactly as your email says, um, it makes good sense to me that you'd want to remove a suspension from someone's record that they received as a byproduct of having their IEP not being followed. Of course, this has always been my complaint. It's the kids who pay the price when we adults respond to them in ways that aren't helpful. Kids pay the price. It's the kid who gets suspended. It's the kid who gets a detention. I think that if an adult is applying an intervention that is known not to work with a particular kid and they apply it anyways, I don't know why the kid is being suspended for the fact that, well, it takes two to tango. Um, it's nobody's fault. But I think that we adults have to work hard to make sure that we are doing what's right for these kids and understand them as well as we can. An emailer responding to what we're talking about. Email hotline is hot today. She's saying, good for the mom for writing in and understanding the boy. Sounds like the teacher needs an IEP and the child behaved appropriately. <laughs> um, interesting concept. Oh, I'll keep reading the email. Maybe have another person come to the meeting with her for support. Extremely difficult not to behave in an adversarial way, but it does serve you better. We got some smart emailers out there people who understand this mentality and know how to apply this model. And um, I, I like that the commentary is becoming edgier because, um, well, maybe it's time to be edgier about this stuff. Status quo isn't working. 
I like that line. Sounds like the teacher needs an IEP. That's not slamming the teacher, but the the E of IEP is education. And yes, there is a tremendous need for all of us to be better educated when it comes to what we now know about challenging kids and why they're challenging, lagging skills, and when they're challenging, unsolved problems, and have a different tool in our toolbox besides plan A, unilateral problem solving, for solving problems with these kids in ways that don't set them off, engage them in the process, teach them the skills they're lacking, and solve their problems in a way that plan A doesn't. Maybe we ought to be being edgy about that. When when you start seeing what's going on in the Lives in the Balance website about two weeks from now, you know, I, I know I've been saying that for months, but I don't have a great deal of control over the speed at which the changes to that website occur. Don't worry. They're coming. You're going to see things that are a little edgier, um, but... Apparently, I'm not the only one. Oh, you know, the P of IEP stands for plan. As in, if we're in a school, let's get the effort organized so that we um, are planning for plan B instead of doing it emergently or willy-nilly. Now, i got to say this. i got to say this. We don't want to be too hard on that substitute teacher. If she wasn't informed, then both she and the kid got set up. That that disaster, we could have seen it a mile off if the substitute teacher wasn't informed about who this kid is and what it says in his IEP. So... uh, no reason to be hard on anybody. Uh, you know, having the kid get suspended for three days because the substitute teacher was poorly informed, if that's what happened, um, that's not okay. That's a setup. Plan, the P part of IEP means... Um, Let's plan the effort. Let's get it organized. Let's meet, put our heads together, think about who this kid is, lagging skills, figure out what unsolved problems are setting in motion as challenging episodes. And actually, from the email, it sounds like going to the bathroom has been an unsolved problem in the past. Uh, We had a solution. He would ask instead of running out. And then um, maybe, maybe there was a communication breakdown. All right, let's do another email. Thank you for emailing, as always. Um, I think it takes bravery just to email, but luckily we don't use names when people email or any other identifying information except sometimes age and gender of the kid. So this is a uh, pretty darn anonymous process if you want to let us know what's going on out there for you. Here's another. I have a seven-year-old daughter who has been difficult since the day she was born. She was referred for behavioral therapy at age three and tested at age four. Turns out she has an IQ of at least 160, though the doctor testing her felt it could be as high as 180. Due to her age, she hit the ceiling on many of the tests. Wow. 
We have been through numerous, uh, now comes the bad part, not we have been the difficult part anyways, we have been through numerous therapists and doctors, all of whom tell us they can't really help us, apologize, and refer us somewhere else. I will say this. My experience is that most mental health professionals do not look forward to working with behaviorally challenging kids because, well, good for them if it feels outside. This is editorial comment. This is not the email. Good for them if they feel like it's beyond their expertise, but to tell you the truth, we need more folks out there who have the expertise. That's why I'm hard at work certifying providers who can do collaborative problem-solving well, and going to be different providers scattered throughout the country, not quite yet, but by April there will be a list of certified providers. Um, and, of course, there's only going to be, oh, eight, ten, twelve of them, but it's a start. And then in May starts the next six-month certification program. All right, back to the email. Sorry, I do have this habit of digressing, don't I? Uh, she is the model child at school, quiet and respectful, carefully following all the rules, etc. She skipped from first grade last year to third this year in an effort to keep her happier at school. As at home, she would obsess endlessly about how boring school was, how much she hated it, etc. She loves school now, though she is still ahead and scores perfectly on almost everything. Wow. At home, she is a complete terror and has our house turned upside down most of the day, yelling and screaming, throwing things, etc. At times, I worry for the safety of her two younger siblings. She has been diagnosed with anxiety and OCD traits. That's obsessive compulsive disorder. Traits and a severe mood disorder. She's been on numerous medications, all considered failures by her doctors, with the most recent combination being Celexa and Abilify. She is now off everything, and her daughter wants to start her on, uh, I think, Depakote. She believes there is a good chance she is bipolar. I've read your explosive child book and other things on gifted children and behavior, and I do not think she is bipolar. I do need some additional help in getting through life with her, though, as it, she really ruins our family life. We are afraid to take her places, fearing her behavior. Uh, any insight or suggestions you would you have would be more than appreciated. Um, I really think her level of giftedness plays a larger part in things than we are aware, but of course I'm not sure. Thank you for any insight you may have. There we go. I'm skipping a few parts of the email because they contain some identifying information. Um, wow. Whew. So first off, of course, this mom is at risk for being accused of being a passive, permissive, inconsistent, non-contingent disciplinarian because her daughter is well-behaved outside the home and less well-behaved in it. You're at risk, mom, for being accused of being a poor disciplinarian. I don't know what you've been doing as a disciplinarian, but um, well, anyways. Oh, and now, mom comes, and of course, your daughter now has some diagnoses that have been attached. Diagnoses, though, I've said this on this program before, mostly tell you what a kid is doing when they're looking bad, but they don't tell you why or when. So, um. I don't blame you for being skeptical about the bipolar disorder diagnosis. I'm skeptical about it whenever I see it. 
I don't think that the mental health profession has its act together on pediatric bipolar disorder in terms of what it looks like. My sense is that different gurus think bipolar looks differently. Um, and at this point, bipolar disorder mostly tells me, like most other diagnoses, what a kid is doing when they're looking bad, not why it's happening. So the goal, as it is for every challenging kid, irrespective of IQ, is to um, figure out what skills your kid is lacking. So you'll want to go to the paperwork section of the Lives in the Balance website, download the, paper, download the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, Get to know your kid through the prism of lagging skills and then identify the highly specific unsolved problems that are setting in motion challenging episodes. Now, I know that you are saying complete terror turns the house upside down most of the day. I've got the uh, what your kid does on the spectrum of looking bad, yelling, screaming, throwing things. We've got the diagnoses. We've got that your kid has been on medication. I am reading nothing in your email about these specific conditions, what I call unsolved problems, in which um, your child is exhibiting challenging behavior. First of all, I'm actually, uh, although you are at risk for being accused of being a passive, permissive, inconsistent, non-contingent disciplinarian, I'm actually grateful that your child is not challenging at school because then you'd have double trouble so I'll, I'll take it, challenging at home, not at school for now. We'll see if it lasts. But we need very specific unsolved problems. There's none of them mentioned that I heard in your email. And yes, could there be some unsolved problems flowing from the fact that your kid has a very high IQ and is gifted? Yes, but I'd, we'd have to be more specific about that because... Being gifted, and you know this, I'm not, this is not me being flip, being gifted is not an unsolved problem we can start working on. We can only work on the unsolved problems that are flowing from it, whatever they are. Um, and I don't have a clue about what they are. None are mentioned in your email, and you're welcome to email back or, or call into the program if you want to be more specific about what the unsolved problems are. Don't worry. We'll be back next week. Bottom line is there are specific unsolved problems that are occurring apparently throughout a good part of the day that are setting in motion challenging episodes. It is crucial that we figure out what they are so that we can um, start solving them. We can't solve being gifted. We can't solve having OCD traits. We can't solve anxiety. We can't solve the problem of having bipolar disorder. We can only solve problems, but we have to figure out what they are in the first place. So there's, you have a now a few ways that you could do that. Um, you could, as I have many of the parents that I work with do, and teachers, um, keep track for a week of every um, problem on which you and your daughter disagreed, on which she balked at something she was being told to do, what are these specific situations over the course of a week that are setting in motion challenging episodes? The truth is I really would love to have you call into the program because I'd like to hear what they are. And so um, 
well, I'll email you and invite you. Nothing the matter with that, right? Then I would recommend that you stay on the Lives in the Balance website and peruse all of the free resources that are there for you, uh, explaining challenging kids, explaining your three options, plans A, B, and C. One of the things I don't know from this email is the degree to which plan A at home is a contributing factor to these uh, challenging episodes. I don't know that. Don't can't quite pick that up. Information's not there. And then more content on the Lives in the Balance helping, website helping you understand what Plan B looks like and streaming video helping you understand not only what it is but what it looks like. And then give it a whirl. But I'd spend my first week keeping track. And lots of folks, you know, say, that, well, things aren't going to get better if I'm only keeping track. That's right, I know, but um, I would keep track because things weren't going to get better in a week anyhow. And if we don't keep track, we won't know what unsolved problems we're trying to work on, and they won't get better. Once again, we cannot solve the problem of being gifted. We can only solve the highly specific unsolved problems flowing from being gifted. And I, you know, I'm, I, what unsolved problems would flow from being gifted? I, I suppose being bored. And it sounds like we switched her grade at school so that she's no longer bored. That's good. I, I need more detail on how being gifted is setting in motion challenging episodes at home. I'm not sure. I'm open to the possibilities, but I'm not sure that I would come to the conclusion that giftedness is the issue. In fact, you know, sometimes having that high IQ and being smart in the realms that are that that contribute to having a high IQ, in, in some respects, that can be a little bit of a curse if you're lacking in other skill areas because the disparity is so glaring. Smart's good. Um, disparities, lagging skills, not so good. But we've got to figure out what those lagging skills are, and we've got to figure out especially what the unsolved problems are. Then we can actually get to work solving problems collaboratively. Hope that helps. You are welcome to call into the program, and I'm going to invite you myself. We have time for one more email, it seems to me, and, um, well, it's actually not a question. It's a comment. Shall we, shall we end our pre-Thanksgiving program with a compliment? Sure. Well, it's Thanksgiving. Here's somebody who's being thankful. Dr. Green, thank you for researching this and spreading it out there. I have always had this compassion in my heart and mind when I deal with people others may deem as difficult or strong personalities. And this information is finally out there for people to read, study, and learn. This is my thank you as a parent for doing a great thing with what you are involved with and how it will impact education. Thanks for thanking me. 
seriously. Um, and I'm glad you feel that way. And that's why the Lives in the Balance website is there for uh, people to, free of charge. Well, there, you know, I can't say nothing's for sale on the Lives in the Balance website anymore. There's T-shirts and bumper stickers for sale. You don't have your Lives in the Balance T-shirts yet? You don't have your Lives in the Balance bumper sticker? Me either. I've been too busy. But uh, I think I'll give it to myself as a gift this holiday season. I'm going to get me my own Lives in the Balance T-shirt and put my very own Lives in the Balance bumper sticker on my car. Because we've got to start spreading the word out there. But I can't say there's nothing for sale on the Lives in the Balance website anymore because there are T-shirts for sale. But every nickel... Um, and there aren't many nickels that you get that Lives in the Balance will receive for selling those T-shirts or bumper stickers, just a few. Um, and they, I don't really think of them as a fundraising device. I think of them as a way to help people get the word out there and make a statement about um, what you believe and who you're trying to help and what you're trying to accomplish and um, how you can play a role. So at the moment, this is going to change once again in about two weeks, maybe less. At the moment, the best way for you to make a statement about difficult kids and the people who interact with them is to wear it or have your car wear it. But that's what the Lives in the Balance website is for, helping get the word out there about who challenging kids really are what lenses we ought to be wearing, and how we can help them better than in so many places still. You you heard that first email. In so many places still, we're not helping them. What was that Hippocratic Oath? Do no harm. It gets violated frequently when people are dealing with behaviorally challenging kids. But we can do even better than not doing harm we can do good. It begins with lenses and it continues with plan B. So we're about out of time for today. Um, I want to wish all of you who listen into this program uh, every week uh, a very pleasant Thanksgiving. As I said on yesterday's uh, radio program for uh, educators, it's got to be one of my favorite times of the year. Um, you know, the parade the food, the family. Just that if you have a behaviorally challenging kid, getting the family together isn't always something you look forward to. I, I hope that Plan B helps your Thanksgiving be more pleasant this year than it would have done if you were having a Plan A Thanksgiving. wouldn't you know it, just before the program's about to end, the cell phone that I didn't turn off goes off. Sorry about that. Uh, but what am I thankful for? I'm thankful for you listening into this program every week the way you do and for whatever it is that you're doing out there to spread the word about how we can understand and help challenging kids better than we do now. That tells you I have a message. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving. Talk to you next week. Hope you found the program to be helpful. Take care.